Wisconsin's afternoon news is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's Greg Matzik. Hey, everybody. Good day to leave work early. Hope you've been able to do that. Nice day to work from a golf course. If you can super duper accomplish that somehow, more power to you. Super Duper is Bob Brainerd in on sports today. Greg Matz again for John McHear the rest of the week. Mike Spaulding in for Sandy Max. And a handful of things we are covering here at 311 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. This is the 3 at 3 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Mike Spaulding, where do we begin? We are beginning on the U.S.-Mexico border, Greg. They are prepping for what some people say could be, quote, chaos. This as Title 42 is expected to end at midnight. Yeah, all sorts of people lined up at the border waiting to get across from Mexico. So Title 42 comes to an end tonight. It allowed border authorities to swiftly turn away migrants encountered at the U.S.-Mexico border, often depriving deprive migrants their chance to claim asylum and dramatically cutting down on border processing time. So Title 42 is basically, look, COVID's a thing. We don't want it to be a bigger thing. We don't want people from out of the country to easily access the states and make it even a worse issue than it is. But, of course, the COVID pandemic era health restrictions are coming to an end as well. Thus, the end of Title 14. What will be back into effect is Title 8. But not every component of Title 8. It's not going to be as easy as it once was to get into the country. We'll have more detail on that coming up at 316 using our full resources at ABC. What else do we have, Mike? Here back at home, the Deer District's newest hotel now has an opening date. Yeah, if you've been downtown, it feels like this thing went up overnight. The Trade Milwaukee is the new hotel being built right in the Deer District adjacent to Pfizer Forum. It's going to open officially on May 18th. They are going to have a grand opening, not to the public, on May 15th. That's according to uh, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel report in Milwaukee Business Journal. 207 rooms. It'll be called the trade, a nod to the city's skilled labor force. And for those who are point counters and collectors, it'll be a Marriott Hotel, not another brand's hotel. I'm a Marriott guy, so I appreciate this absolutely. But uh, nice to have options in downtown Milwaukee. The trade opens up Great. on May 18th. Is this going to be the like the official hotel of the Milwaukee Bucks? Like, are, are we expecting the visiting teams to stay there and just walk across the street to Pfizer Forum? Well, it is interesting because uh, looking at some of the renderings, and you know I'm, I'm a sucker for a good rendering, they have turned into actual pictures. I'm even more a sucker for the actual thing. Uh, it does appear as if the ceilings are just a little bit taller, the beds are a little bit bigger, the shower heads are just a little bit higher. So to answer your question in a roundabout way, Spalding, yes, I, I think if you're the Bucks, this is something you would angle for. And you'd tout the convenience of being right across from the arena. And finally? Finally, some things are very predictable. That being, what, life, death, those things are definitely happening. Well, so is the leak of the NFL schedule. It is uh, leaking out minute by minute here, Greg. What do we know so far? Yeah, some confirmed reports as well. Uh, Matt Schneiderman of The Athletic leaked this out early this morning. Some confirmations are pouring in. Looks like the Packers are going to begin the season at Chicago on September 10th. It'll be a 325 game on Fox. First home game two weeks later, September 24th, against the New Orleans Saints. That'll be a noon game. Was curious to see without Aaron Rodgers how many prime time games there would be. Looks like five, and you've also got Thanksgiving. So five plus Thanksgiving at Detroit, an 11.30 kick on Thanksgiving morning. So we'll get through this more throughout the day in sports with Bob. We'll talk a little bit more about it in the 4 o'clock hour. But, yes, you've got the leakage of the Packers' schedule. 
full, complete, official schedule will be revealed at 7 o'clock tonight. 3.15 on WTMJ. We've been monitoring the situation at the border all week long. Title 42 expires tonight. What happens next is the big questions as uh, hundreds are lined up at the border hoping to get into the United States. If they are rejected, will they have an opportunity to get back in or try again? Old rules said, yeah, keep going. Keep trying till you make it. New rules may not be so easy. ABC's Andy Field is on the story. Title 42 ends tonight. Andy, what does happen next? Well, first, I have to compliment you on using the, the immigrant song to introduce us. I thought that was fantastic, whoever you're producing. Next, next level here on the program, Andy, yes. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, it's, it's, it's a problem, a, a huge problem right now. There are, as you've seen on virtually any uh, news network, uh, lines and lines, acres of people waiting to get in, waiting for that midnight deadline, thinking this is going to be a free pass to get into the United States. The Homeland Security Department is warning people it is not, uh, and which is one of the reasons that they have surged so many people down there, including <clears throat> immigration officers and uh, asylum-seeking uh, judges to expedite these things under something called Title VIII, uh, which is basically the old rules, but they're going to enforce them uh, even tougher than they did before. And there's a difference here. Under Title 42, which was the COVID rule that said, uh, look, we can just expel you because of COVID, uh, you were able, as a migrant, to then try to come back into the country as many times as you'd like without any facing any punishment. Under the current rules, you will not be able to do that. If they say you don't meet the asylum requirements or that you didn't follow the rules that the United States set out to say, hey, if you want to try to get in here legally or make an appointment for asylum, you can do that back in your home country or in other bordering countries. If you didn't do all those things and you get kicked out, you can't try to get back in here for another five years. So uh, there's going to be much tougher consequences for people if they do want to try to get in here within the system here. Of course, there are people that are trying to get in here without going through the system at all, illegally crossing the border. Uh, there are what they call coyotes, uh, people who are smuggling these folks across the border, and, and people hope for the best once they get here. But then they have to live in the shadows. Uh, all of this uh, is predicated on what is Congress going to do about it? We have immigration laws in this country that are more than 30 years old. They do not meet the current problems that we have at our borders. And uh, President Biden put out something that was similar to what uh, there was a compromise bill back when President Trump was in office. He initially rejected it. And by the way, Republicans and Democrats have signed off on this. And then uh, the president, former President Trump, did a 180 and said, okay, I'll sign off on it. But by that time, the Republicans had already rejected it because they did what their boss told them to do. Uh, so we're in a real pickle here. Unless Congress does something, this problem at the border isn't going to go away anytime soon. Yeah, you know, Andy, typically when you hear a politician use words like chaos and things like that and, and, and are kind of dr drumming things up as far as concern goes over over policies as a way to, you know, get their base riled up, that doesn't seem to be necessarily the case here. While it is still partisan and obviously immigration is, is one of the more uh, hostile topics, I guess you could say, in Washington, D.C., it seems like both Republicans and Democrats are concerned over this. I guess my concern is that their concern isn't going to line up because it never seemingly does. I, I, I don't quite understand why it never gets off the dime here in Washington, but 
uh, probably the biggest issue is, and the biggest, um, <clears throat> I guess, issue separating uh, Democrats and Republicans is that Democrats tend to support uh, either asylum or some kind of pathway to citizenship for dreamer children. These are children that came over with their parents, no fault of their own. They were infants. They've grown up in the United States and know no other country, and many Republicans want to deport them back to other countries where they don't even speak the language of those countries, and they know no one there. Uh, Democrats don't think that's fair. Uh, and that is one of the biggest sticking points here in terms of how do you deal with many, many of those people who are in this country paying taxes, working, and trying to make a life here in a country, the only country they've known. And that seems to be the biggest sticking point, and they don't seem to have a way to resolve that. Andy, I must ask you, too, about, you know, the response here. I, I know there's going to be border officials. There's going to be beefed-up security presence. I, I'm not expecting things to turn violent if those are pushed away. Maybe it's more crowd control, but it does appear like I, the United States is ready for just about anything tonight, and they want to have enough people there to control the situation. Yeah, you know, there, there are Republicans and, of course, former President Trump who said, hey, if we had just finished this big, beautiful wall, they couldn't get through it. We know that's not the case, that there were many, many ways to get either across, over. There are videos of people climbing over these walls. Uh, so the wall isn't the solution or digging under them. Uh, but there has to be some sort of border patrol. And listen, the United States isn't the only country that has this problem. <clears throat> Excuse me. There are countries ac across the planet that have similar problems with refugees going from one place to another. Uh, but again, everyone seems to agree, Republicans, Democrats, the president, that Congress needs to pass some kind of reform to fix the laws, to either provide more funding so that there is more uh, policing at the border and a pathway legally better for people to get into this country. And so far, Congress has refused to do it. We'll be watching tonight to see what happens uh, when the clock strikes midnight. ABC's Andy Field. Thank you, Andy. Thanks, guys. Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. Well, one of the pioneers of reggae, brilliant musical career marked by fusing elements of reggae and ska and rock steady, very distinctive vocals as well. Bob Marley, this day in history, passed away in 1981, just 36 years old. Uh, he passed away of skin cancer, among other things. Right? I didn't know so, that. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the fascinating story here, right? It wasn't one of these young musical artists who succumbed to a, a life of addiction uh, or was killed or assassinated for political views or anything like that. Uh, nothing even close. Uh, it, was, it was skin cancer that ultimately took the life of a music legend. My life is only important if me can help plenty of people. If me, if me, my life is just me, my own security, then me don't want it. My life is for people. Robert Nesta Marley was born on February 6, 1945 in Nine Mile, St. Anne, Jamaica. As a teenager, he moved to Kingston to pursue music. He then began jamming with singer Joe Higgs and met future bandmates Neville Livingston, later known as Bunny Whaler, and Peter McIntosh, later Peter Tosh. Marley's final studio album was 1980's Uprising. We'll 
it was an extremely religious effort, and this was particularly evident on Redemption Song. Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. This tracks on Marley Ponder's mortality because he had recently been diagnosed with skin cancer that had spread throughout his body. Marley's deteriorating health led to the cancellation of the subsequent world tour. He started his way back to Jamaica, but did not complete the trip. He died in a Florida hospital on May 11, 1981. Yeah, nice work by WatchMojo.com. Bob Marley, just a, a music icon, a voice that is certainly recognizable, but he had it with skin cancer at the age of 36. That I claimed think, his life. I think, Greg, most groups that do this type of music try to emulate, imitate or emulate Bob Marley. Everybody always seems to, this is like the go-to person that you want to try to aspire to be and mimic his music. Yeah, Spalding's a big music guy, too. It, it, it just stands the test of time, right? You, you cannot listen to a Bob Marley song today and say, well, that's ancient, right? That's from the 70s. Boy, it just... There's nothing specific about the era. It's just more distinct about his style and his voice and his overall qualities. Yeah. I, w when I was younger and I would go to job interviews, I would always listen to Bob Marley. I, went, I listened to it my first or listened to him during my first like job interview ever, like driving to there, and I got the job. So then for a long time, <laughs> it was your like thing. my good luck charm. It was calming. It's timeless. And it like always harkens back to like a... A great time. You remember those uh, Corona commercials, like the Find Your Beach commercials? Oh, yeah. Bob Marley kind of does that. He kind of gets you there a little bit. So, yeah, absolutely. Wait, now, did you listen to Marley on your, your way to WTMJ for your interview back in the day? I was, I think I was beyond the Bob Marley good luck charm. I think my interview started at like 4 a.m., 5 a.m., so I think I might have had silence on the radio, or okay. of course... Probably Wisconsin's morning news. Uh, that, that could have been, yes. Yeah, just to <laughs> learn the product a little more. It's part of your collection in some way, shape, or form, right? Hard it to is. feel bad when you're listening to this music. Absolutely. Kind of a Bob Marley day, isn't it? Oh, yeah. 74 outside, the sun is shining, cold beer tastes good in your hand, little oh, cocktail. All of the above, Greg. Jamaican vibes. Bob Marley passing away on this day in 1981. A music icon born February 6th, 1945. Uh, some breaking news. Not sure if you saw this. Breaking as about uh, about 49 minutes ago. Elon Musk is stepping down as the CEO of Twitter. An unnamed woman will start in six weeks, according to a tweet sent out by Musk, who will now oversee product development for Twitter. So he continues to be a little bit all over the place, right? A little involved, well, a lot involved in Tesla. SpaceX is obviously a big deal. Uh, still a, a central figure in Twitter, but he will no longer be the CEO as of about six weeks. Elon Musk, he's an innovator, he's an entrepreneur, he's a billionaire, he is a very complex individual. And Ashley Vance wrote the biography on Elon Musk. Ashley, I, I must start with the uh, the breaking news. Not sure if you could have seen this coming, but in your time getting to know Elon Musk, uh, maybe it makes all the sense in the world. <laughs> I, I'm in stitches over here. I can't wait to see who this is in six weeks. I'm going. I'm going somewhere between Dolly Parton and Ivanka. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. And then we'll all just nod our head and say, "Yep, that seems right about on brand." Right. 
<laughs> this is uh, yeah, this is quite a turn of events. I mean, he you know he promised he was going to step down as CEO. I think a lot of people would like to see that because it's been quite tumultuous during his his tenure, and uh, I think people were starting to doubt that he he would actually do it because it's been several months. But here we go. Yeah, perhaps some people in Tesla said, uh, you know what? Could you, could you please turn your attention back to us? Right, we're investors yeah. here. Come on, let's keep us moving. Yeah, I think I saw that the the Tesla share price was going up in after hours. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Well, I, I wanted to dive in uh, on the actual biography and, and and what you gleaned from it. What gave you the motivation to write it? Uh, there are so many components, including SpaceX, Planet Labs, Rocket Lab, Tesla, Twitter. Right? He's a very interesting individual. Controversial, yes. Polarizing in some respects. But what gave you the inspiration to write the book? Well, you know, I mean, I did I did the biography on Elon, and then this this new one is, is kind of a follow on. It's called When the Heavens Went on Sale, and it's it sort of uses SpaceX as this inciting incident to lay out what's happening in in commercial space. You know, SpaceX in 2008 launched the Falcon One rocket, which was the first private low cost rocket. And and what I argue in this new book is is that this has set off a global um, change in how we get to space, what we do when we're up there, and really turn this from a, a government-backed exercise into a, a capitalist exercise. Elon Musk is the CEO of SpaceX. You can love him. You can loathe him. He's uh, always interesting, no doubt about that. You know, What did you learn about his personality as you started to dive in um, and write this piece? It, was there something that really stood out about the way he gets things done? Well, there's a lot. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he's the most relentless, driven uh, person I've ever met, and and he's he's just he really is relentless uh, with SpaceX. There was just this clean slate where government contractors, space had gotten kind of boring and slow, and it really hadn't changed that much since this glorious period of the the Apollo era. And so, you know, he's he's a guy who's willing to gamble his money and and really drive people to to change things spacex was probably the riskiest of all his ventures and it's it's turned into the the steadiest and really you could argue the most successful ashley has there been a moment or was there a moment i should say in your research for the book where it went from elon musk the guy who loves tech and loves tinkering with things and is kind of interested in in the next evolution of vehicles by way of tesla into I, I, the bigger-than-life figure, right, that we know today. Was there a, a moment or was it just kind of a gradual increase of his popularity that, that led him to be the guy who just what stepped down as a CEO of Twitter earlier today? Well, it's gone in stages. Um, yeah, he struggled for a long time. He'd made some money at PayPal and and then started SpaceX and Tesla, and they weren't doing that well for about a decade. And then finally those two companies hit their stride. I think he got a bit of a glow from that. He, he started to become much more famous and, and was living the celebrity lifestyle in Los Angeles. And, and as time has gone on, it's gotten more complicated. You know, about, about three or four years ago, he... He, some of his personality that he'd been holding back, he started letting that out on Twitter. His politics started coming into things more, and and he seems to be this kind of guy who always wants to top himself and is, is somewhat sort of addicted to getting things bigger and bigger all the time. And and so I think that's kind of where we've ended up. You know, you know, in hearing him talk about Tesla in years past, he would even admit, well, the stock price is 
inflated. I've told people it's 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 not a good investment right now, but they keep buying the stock. Right? It just you, I, it, you, it, it, you don't often hear the CEO or the head of a company come out and say we're a mess right now, but people keep buying us. So hey. What are you going to do? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I was always surprised when he would say those things out loud. Um, but, to, I mean, look, people tend to kind of either love or hate Elon, although I think he's he's a bit more nuanced than that. But what there's no question that he's, he's just much more upfront and, and sort of open than we're used to seeing from, from the world's richest person, from, from a business leader of, of his kind of stature. He just kind of lets it all hang out there. Ashley, if you had to guess, for Elon, for Elon Musk, from, from doing all the research about him over the years or to write this book, where does he go from here? Is it just a return to focus on SpaceX? Because it seems like that really is his passion and kind of if he if he was going to pick one thing out of a uh, uh you know out of a lineup it would be the the space exploration that really kind of gets him going the most yeah that's his baby and that's what he's he's really historically put most of his attention to i think of late he's been distracted clearly with twitter and now he's quite concerned about these huge advances in ai which which he thinks are a threat to the human race and so you know if you'd asked me like two years ago i would have said 100 percent he, he kind of rides off into the sunset just focused on spacex full-time now i'm a little confused and and um i wouldn't say i'm like depressed or anything it's, it's just it's such a change i feel like spacex is um still the most promising and interesting of his companies and, and some of this other stuff is a, a distraction ashley when the heavens went for sale is the title of the book uh what do you dive into in this book from start to finish what can readers expect yeah, I mean, it's this adventurous romp all around the world covering kind of the Wild West of space. I think there's there's a ton of larger-than-life characters, people aspiring to be the next Elon. Um, it's about this moment in time when space is... is changed it was, it was the same for these like 60 or 70 years a handful of governments controlled it and now we have this immense activity taking place right over our heads and and it's opening up kind of a whole new world of possibility and i just don't think many people are aware of how quickly things are changing what's already happened and uh, the characters behind all this it's fascinating stuff new york times best-selling author ashley vance joining us on wisconsin's afternoon news much appreciated ashley congrats on the work too Thank you so much.